Good morning. So good to be with you. Welcome to Trinity Cheltenham. If you missed some of the welcomes beforehand, my name's David. I'm going to be leading us through this morning in terms of the Bible section. So as Andrew said, grab hold of your Bible if you haven't already got one. We're hitting Exodus chapter 15. Uh, we're going through this massive story of God's people, uh, and we're going to find out uh, what God's speaking to us um, about it. I have to say, I am missing you guys in this building. For those of you who would normally come and gather with us, uh, I know there's many that are connecting with us online uh, in a way that you wouldn't necessarily not from Cheltenham, but it's cold in here. I need your body heat to be in here filling the space because it's freezing, uh, but also the the value of worship and being gathered and all of that is important too. So a little recap, uh, we've got, um, uh, last week we were looking at uh, God being powerful, powerful against the um, idols of Egypt, uh, wondering about whether we feel a little bit Pharaoh, there's a bit of a Pharaoh in us, a bit of a sorcerer in us. If you missed it last week, do get back to it. If you watched it last week, you probably need to watch it again. Um, it's really good stuff. This week we're in... Um, chapter 15 of Exodus, and it's a song, you'll be pleased to know. It's in fact the first song of praise in the Bible. We're going to get into that and look at uh, the significance of praise um, and how God uses it. Um, But I just want to describe to you where we have got to when we get to this chapter, because just before, in chapter 14, we've got the crossing of the Red Sea. So finally, the Israelites, the Hebrew people, have been able to leave Egypt in their slavery there. They've been able to escape, and they've been sent off with gold from the Egyptians. They're so keen to get rid of them now after a whole load of, no, you're not leaving. There's this freedom, and then they end up at the Red Sea, which feels like a big blockage. And Jesus, God says, the biggest blockages don't have to be blockages in, in relationship with me. And, and he makes a way through the sea. <clears throat> I'm summarizing some big chunks. I'm hoping that you're engaging with the Bible in your own personal times. But he makes a way through the sea. The Hebrew people escape through, and then Pharaoh goes, actually, I really want them back. They were really kind of useful. And he chases after them chariots, horses, all sorts of stuff, and the sea comes back over them, and they drown, and it's pretty terrible and awful. But God does a victory thing and frees them. And we get to this song moment as we land on on the shore so I want, to see, I want you to just imagine this mass gathering, possibly two million people. When, when Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt, there was probably about 70 of them. There was 430 years in Egypt, and so they grew. There was about 600,000 men plus women and children, and others, by the way. It wasn't just Hebrews that exited Egypt. Interesting, possibly. Many others it references uh, in chapter 12, verse 38. Who were the many others that have carried that have gone into freedom with the Hebrew people and who are you bringing into freedom with you as well in your own life it's just a quick question a little cheeky aside but they're standing on the seashore having just witnessed this amazing miracle not just the miracles of the plagues that we heard about last last week but the miracle of God parting the sea making a way where there seemed to be no way and bringing victory over their enemies And the significance in that is not just freedom in terms of a literal sense, but freedom from fear. Can you imagine having escaped but always wondering, are they going to come for us again? Well, they've just seen the army completely wiped out by the sea. They've they've got got an image of 
God's victory over their enemies. I wonder if maybe you need to hear that this morning. I wonder whether you may, may need reminding of not just that you are, have been brought into freedom because of who Jesus is, and we'll come to that in a little bit, but also that he has conquered and brought victory over our enemies and over that which bound us in the past. So the Red Sea happens. Exodus 15. Uh, it, it's actually a song, so I think it would be appropriate for me to sing it. I've been working on a little melody, uh, as you might imagine. It's not just Jay and the band who can do a little song. So verse 1. <clears throat> Here we go. I will sing to the Lord. For he is highly exalted, the horse and its rider, he is hurled into the sea. It's just a melody I made up. Sounds so good, isn't it? It's quite catchy. It's quite catchy. Should we keep going? No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. It's a song. There's something powerful about gathering together and singing a song and declaring what God has done. Looking at the proof of who God is. There's this powerful moment. And before we actually read this, I just want to remind you of the richness of God's rescue for us. Now, when we're talking about Exodus, we're looking at the sea and victory over the Egyptian army. But for us today, 21st century, in COVID times, however you are, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus and that's new to you. But for us, for those of us who have said yes to Jesus... We believe that in his blood, he has washed over all of our brokenness. He has brought the, through the blood that was shed on the cross. He has paid for all of our sin, all of our pain, everything that truly binds us. And he has set us free. On the other side of this sea of his blood, we stand and we can sing of his victory. Like the Egyptians sing this song. So there are some songs for us to be singing. And there's some power in our praise and what we do. Let's have a little read. I'm actually going to read from um, chapter 14 and verse 19 just so we, uh, we get the right perspective. Stand by. Verse 29, not 19. My apologies. So, but the Israelites went through the sea on the dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw, this is important, the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. They actually saw victory over those who had held them, oppressed them, killed their firstborns, all sort of history. And when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. Moses uh, would have been leading this song. And the I will sing is actually a, an imperative. It's a plural imperative. It's not like I'm going to sing, but you listen. It's an encouragement. It's an invitation. You sing with me. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. It's powerful. Remember, this is poetry. It's not actually, there wasn't a, a big mighty hand that just literally threw. This is poetic words describing what God had done. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. 
The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned into the Red Sea. Victory over these oppressive regimes. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. We don't sing a lot of these songs, do we? Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. Such powerful imagery of what God has done that really just speaks to the heart of this nation, standing on one side of victory, in the middle of what God has done, and if you know the story, what he has promised to do, in finding them a place where they can build their own communities, where they can live, a land they can inherit, the promised land. And here they stand in between all that God has done and all that God is going to do. And us today, you watching this, all of us, in every moment, we are stood in the middle of what God has done and what he is going to do. And what we do in the middle is so important. What we do in those times when we aren't necessarily seeing the victories or we aren't necessarily fully aware of what's coming. Who knows what's coming six months down the line? Who knows what our lives will look like? Sometimes it's really helpful to just look back, sing these songs, remind ourselves of who God is, the proof, the way that he's shown us. The enemy boasted, verse 9, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you? O Lord, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Here we get into some promises. They're expecting to be taken into a place, a place where they can dwell, where they can be, where they can worship. A lot of last week we were talking about we want to go so we can worship our Lord. He's promising again, they're reminding them, in your strength you will guide your people to a holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. Sorry, the anguish will grip the people of Philistia. 15, the chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. All these people that they have to move through in order to inherit the promised land. Speaking of these conquests that are yet to happen, these battles that are coming. And I want to remind us that praise is the battle before the battlefield. What we say of God now is the battle before the battlefield. And here they're fighting this battle. By the power of your arm they will be as still as a stone until you, your people pass by, O Lord. Until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established, the Lord will reign forever and ever. I'm sure it sounded much better on the seashore with two million people singing it. And then if you read on uh, a little bit later, Miriam gets the tambourines out, praise the Lord. Come on, Jay, when are we doing that? Uh, And they get the tambourine out and then 
they sing the song again. There's a kind of, this is not supposed to be a moment. This is supposed to inspire a movement. This is supposed to be something that stays in the heart of the people and reminds them of who God is. Because we need to be reminded of those moments when God has showed his strength and has moved in power. So, I've got some PRs for you. I'm going to try not to move about too fast for the camera people. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sure that looked great online. Um, proof. This is, they're standing in the middle and they're looking back to the proof. God has rescued them. God did so much stuff. We're going to need to look back again and again as a people of Israel, as we wander about for 40 years in a desert, and as we in- inherit a new land of promise, we're going to have to remind ourselves of who God is. He rescued us from Egypt. He parted the sea, and there's a whole load of dead horses on the seashore, the other side, that reminds us of who God is. That's not a really helpful imagery, especially for any animal lovers out there. There's the proof over here, walking slowly. Yeah, go for the wide angle, that's good. There's also, they're they're standing looking to the promise. They're looking to the promises that God has has given them. What are are the promises over your life? What are the things just generic about who you are that he will never leave you or forsake you? Maybe you've had one of those weeks where you feel completely forsaken, where you feel like God has gone. Well, his promise is to never leave you or forsake you. His promise is that he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. But there might also be some specific promises, some truths about who your children are going to grow up to be. I, I don't know what the promises are, but there is, this can represent the more that God has for us. And here we stand in the middle. Here we stand in the middle where we've got some proof of what God has done. We've got some promises and we need to praise. I'm just going to go down here and get another box. Praise. We've got to, in the middle of of both what God has done and what he is going to do, we've got to get hold of praise. This is is the power of Exodus 15. They stand, they stop. They don't just go, phew, great, let's let's find ourselves a little comfy place to have a picnic. They stop, they mark it, and they say, God has done something. And then all the way through Israel's history, they mark moments. They have what, what we call Ebenezer's where they, they make a rock of remembrance, a rock of thanksgiving, where they remember what God has done. When they cross the Jordan later on, they actually take stones, they actually grab these stones from the middle of, of this dry land, this way that God had made through, and they take them and they make this whole little altar. They make a, an Ebenezer to remind themselves, those stones came from underneath the sea when God parted it. You need some stones that came from miraculous places. You need to remind yourself of what God has done in your life. If you are new to faith, new to Jesus, and you don't know, well, ask him to show himself. Ask him to reveal himself to you, to give you some proof of who he is. He wants to show up in your life because he knows that you're walking in darkness or you're battling with stuff on your own. And he wants to be in relationship with you. For those of you who've had relationship with God, you need to remind yourselves of the proof, the stuff that God has done. I'm married. My, my wife's name is Karis. We've got um, four kids. Um, and uh, Karis and I share, we've got a little WhatsApp group just between the two of us called Ebenezer's. And anytime God does something, anytime there's a miraculous provision, whether it's something that's on the doorstep or whether it's um, an email that comes through, whatever, or, or a Whatever it is, we just we write down. So it's not, it's not our kind of chat where we can just go, oh, where's, where's that thing that we said about 
what God had done. We've got this whole, whole list of all the things God has done for the last three years or whatever. And it's, we can just go back to it and go, wow, look at what God did. Look at what God did. Look at the proof of who he is. Because that gives us courage and boldness for the promises that he's put in our lives and for what he is calling us into. Trinity Cheltenham, there is more for us. We are a resource planting church. There is stuff that he is building in us ready to take new ground in not just physically, geographically trying to be something, but new ground in people's lives, in the hearts of people who are walking in darkness and need to see a great light. Well, you're going to have to remind yourself of some of the ways that God has shown up in the past. And we're going to have to look to the promises of God. Is that making sense? Just nod to me if that's making sense. Yeah? I don't know. I'm going to assume. I don't know if you ever watched The Weakest Link. I'm not big on game shows. I used to quite enjoy that. I don't know whether it's just the harshness of, what was the name, Anne Robinson. But The Weakest Link, they used to, uh, as a team, be answering questions. And every time they got a question right, um, a certain amount of money came in. And then if they got the next question right, even more money came in until they banked it and said, bank it. But if they got a question wrong, they lost all the money. It's a little bit risky, a little bit risky. Um, we have to bank the stuff that God's done. We, let's not forget to bank it and go, hang on a minute, bank that. This is what Exodus 15 is all about. It's banking, putting in the, the, the bank in, for our souls, putting it in the bank and going, let's not forget what God has done because it makes a difference. Okay. I think what we're going to do is head straight. There's, there's some Deuteronomy 31 stuff where Moses is 40 years on. Moses is 120 at that point. He's thinking, I'm out of here. God said, I'm not going to actually inherit the promised land. I'm not going to go in there, but I'm reflecting on all, all that God has done. And then he does these sermons, and then he gets them to sing again. He does a whole other song in, in Deuteronomy 31, and you can read all through that song or sing your way through it in um, Deuteronomy 32. But I just want to bring us to um, Mark chapter 14. So we're going to have a little look at just to finish up. Someone heard the word finish and got excited. Can I, can I hear an amen? Here we go. I'll put a little label in it. Let's keep that there. Okay, we're going to just look quickly at Mark 14, 23 to 26. This is... Um, Jesus has just shared the Passover meal that celebrates all that God has done in rescuing Egypt. He's in the upper room with his friends. And it says in 22, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. Gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them. And they all drank from it. This is my blood of the new covenant, this new promise, which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. This is going to be the last time I drink something of last here. He knows that he's about to die. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus in this moment is doing what I'm talking about. He is remembering what God has done in the past, the way he has rescued his people through the sea. He is establishing anew this sacrament of worship, this liturgical practice of breaking bread and 
sharing wine in anticipation of his body that will be broken, that will bring people not just through a physical sea, but a spiritual one to the other side, into heaven, into the kingdom of God. And they sing a hymn. It's probably Psalm 115 or to 118, something in there. I'm going with Psalm 118. I have no idea, but, it's, but, but have a little read of it. Imagine Jesus singing this song of who God is and, and the challenges and the battles, not avoiding the pain in those psalms, but reminding ourselves the proof of who God is in moments. And boy, did Jesus need to remind himself of who God was in that moment as he stands on the cliff edge of his own death. But here's the sad thing. You can read it in Deuteronomy 31. You can read it in uh, the, the song afterwards. Moses knows, and the Lord said, even though they sing this song, their hearts will be hardened, and they're going to betray me. In this passage here, straight after they've sung a song and, and gone out to the Mount of Olives, Jesus says, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter says, no, surely that's not going to happen. And we, we, you might know the rest of that story. I just want to say we can praise God all we like and it might not make any difference if we aren't going to actually begin to live it. If we don't actually connect with God's presence in the moment, bringing connection of the proof of God, the promises of God, but meeting him and his presence in the moment and living out from that place. If, we, if, if praise isn't about the presence of God, if we're not pursuing the presence of God in our praising, and if we're not then following God's presence as he moves out from here, it is idol worship, not I-D-O-L worship like we tackled last week. Idol, lacking purpose, lacking, having no value or purpose. Are you into idol worship? Are you just singing a song now? I'm sorry this comes across harsh. I, can, I could be speaking this to myself. What is the point in a really long song if we're not actually going to live a life where we're obedient to him? Our worship has got to go beyond praise and has got to have some legs to it. It's got to have some practices. It's got to look like February the 14th, you going out and being good news to the people around you. Because we weren't rescued across a sea so that we could have some glee. I'm writing a song now. This is exciting. The Lord is on it. We weren't. We weren't rescued across a sea so that we could be happy now. We, we're not just celebrating here Jesus' blood so we've got a ticket to heaven. It's so that heaven's got a ticket to earth. And that can happen as you start to live out your praise in practical ways. As you start to worship in a way that means something and the habits that God inhabits the praises of his people. It can't just be a song. It's got to be a lifestyle. There's got to be more than that. So, if you've still got idol worship, I-D-O-L, you need to listen to the sermon again from last week. But my heart is, as we read through this and as we think of the disciples singing a song with the very Jesus and then the next day betraying him, Maybe we need to search our own hearts and go, what are we doing? What are we doing on Sunday mornings? And is it making an impact? Are we going to inherit some promises and inherit land? Well, to do that, we need to be pursuing the presence of God.
We need to be doing that together. And that's hard at the moment. Just a reminder, we do have a 6 p.m. in-person gathering this, this evening. If that's something that you feel is going to be important for you, that's available. There is a, an in-person gathering. We need to be worshipping God and pursuing his presence. But it's got to be more than just the words that we sing. Should we pray? I'm going to pray a little bit.